0: Empire
1: Hello and welcome to the 300th episode of my podcast Yes, 300. thanks a lot folks Today I'm joined by ESPN's Paul Gutierrez Who covers the Las Vegas Raiders A team that has been in the news quite a bit lately We talk about what it's like covering that team the future of quarterback Derek Carr in Las Vegas, and much more. You'll get a great feel for Sunday's game. You can follow Paul on Twitter at P. Gutierrez ESPN. That's G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z ESPN. And you can read both our work, of course, on ESPN.com. By the way, regarding the Jamin Davis-Chris Oates story, if you want to help the Oates family defray some of their medical costs, you can buy an Oates Strong hoodie. Go to at KCoates.com. 22 and you'll see where and how to order that's at K Coates kcoats 22 she quit her 11 11 an hour job to stay home and take care of her son so the generosity of others helps also as i mentioned earlier this is the 300th episode of my podcast but the only reason it's going strong is because you continue to support it by listening i don't take that lightly so thank you now on to my predictions This game is difficult because so much works against Washington. It's a short week, they have to fly west, they're coming off another physical game, and they're banged up. We don't know at this point about safety Landon Collins, though I think he'll play. It's just a think. Or or running back J.D. McKissick, though I would say at this point, probably a long shot, that he would play. We don't know about Eric Flowers' status after he missed practice Thursday because of a foot issue. If he's out, to me that's too much and I'd pick the Raiders. For now, I'm assuming he'll play, because if not, then you have a highly inexperienced front with center Keith Ismail and guard Sadiq Charles. I do think Charles' best spot is guard, so that helps, but he doesn't have much play time, so that doesn't help, and neither does Ismail. My pick is predicated on the idea that Flowers will play, as will Landon Collins, because if they don't play, to me it's a loss. With Flowers, I still think they run the ball well. The Raiders have a terrific pass rush with Max Crosby among others, but their run D is more susceptible. Now, I would feel a lot better if McKissick were playing, if J D McKissick were playing, because I do worry about Gibson on a short week after a lot of carries. I do like Jarrett Patterson, so they should be okay. I'd give Patterson some good work in this game, but you would—they know there's no doubt they would miss McKissick. And again, this, this game is to me is going to be, it could be a close Washington win. It could be a two-touchdown Raiders win. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't think Washington will score a lot, but I do think it will have some success. I do think it's hard to sustain an offense like they have been the ball, in terms of time-consuming ball control drives. And part of me just thinks at some point that Taylor Heineke will be asked to do more again, and that's when they get in trouble, not just because of him. But because they don't have the weapons around him to play that way consistently either, and then he starts to force the ball when the more he throws, he can't be late. And he you know, and on some of these, when he starts throwing the ball a lot, he can't be late because that's where again more chances for picks, etc. When he's on time and in rhythm, he's much better. But there are too many times where he is a little bit late, and that can be an issue. However, with Logan Thomas back, that helps. Tight end Ricky Seals Jones has been working. He's, been more limited but at least he's working so his return would help if he does come back and of course Curtis Samuel likely will play more so I think that helps as well defensively the big concern is shutting down an explosive offense Sean Jackson's speed is a problem and Zay Jones can hurt if you give him space after the catch as I saw some other teams do Hunter Renfro will move the chains underneath and is a definite definite threat a very big uh, car target But a big question for the Raiders is about tight end Darren Waller and if he'll play. Hasn't been practicing. If he doesn't play, it's a huge loss. They're not a great run team. Derek Carr is having a very good season. But as you'll hear from Paul, sometimes it's not so great and you wonder about his future there. I talked to one defensive coach who played them earlier and said the key will be to close the middle of the field against Carr. Do that, he said, and Carr struggles. He struggles throwing deeper to the outside. Washington has done a good job against that of that against other teams notably their work against Tampa Bay. So if again if Collins plays that will help the defense turn. If he doesn't play I think that's a big big loss for them and that could again shift the difference in this game. Add it up and I think Washington continues its streak. I like them to win a close one, let's say 23-21. Confidence level is not high because of the health issues. I just think as I make this pick there are too many unanswered questions even though we're only a few days away. and the short week West Coast, there's that short week West Coast game aspect. But I also know internally they view it as another motivational tool following in the David Versus Goliath stuff. We'll see if it works. If there's a game they could lose, though, it's this one because the next five are all in the division, and that means they are bigger. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Paul Gutierrez. You thought covering this team was crazy? Wait until you hear what it's been like covering the Raiders and not just... Lately, but for, for a while. But also, are you interested in Derek Carr? He might be available. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Paul Gutierrez. All right, Paul. Well, every time I think I have a crazy beat to cover, and then I'm like, you know, nobody has to cover all this excess stuff that I do, I think of you because nobody has to cover all the <laughs> stuff that you've had to cover in the last year or so. What's it been like? And it's funny to ask someone from who covers Washington to ask this question. But what's it like covering that franchise?
0: Yeah, and and hopefully, John, nobody goes snooping through your emails to see what you and I have uh, <laughs> corresponded about yeah, over man. the past eight years. But it's 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 been wild, and, and you know, in covering the Raiders in one way or another since two thousand five, it's um it's kind of par for the course, but. You know, I thought it really reached its apex with the Antonio Brown fiasco a couple of years ago where it was just the story would change literally three times on my commute back from Alameda, which at the time was an hour. Now you've got real world, real life stuff that's just intruding upon, you know, right. our, our toy box of sports. Right. Right. And, you know, from John Gruden and this this goes back to before the the week before training camp started, when the long term, long time team president, Mark Bedain, resigned right. suddenly. And, and claimed he was just tired. Uh, lots of reports of financial irregularities coming out from that. Um, and, and, you know, that just kind of was the start of the season. Then you get off. They, they, they win their first three games. Then all of a sudden, the John Gruden emails come out in the investigation of Washington. Uh, he's forced <laughs> to resign. Then uh, Henry Ruggs, after the buy the team goes on its bye. It comes back, has a meeting on Monday, and they're again warned about, hey, don't drink and drive. Don't do anything. We have all these resources. He does what he does and and um you know his accident it's not even an accident what happened is his his car crash kills All a woman right. and her dog um at 3 40 a.m um so that happens and now that's real world stuff intruding upon again our our world um Damon Arnett another first round pick flashing guns on, on video threatening to kill somebody who was threatening him on on uh, social media that goes out and then oh yeah by the way getting ready to go out with my wife on her birthday to a winery. Uh, John Gruden decides he's going to drop a court case <laughs> on a Friday news dump. So it's just, it's not woe is me so much as par for the course, but just ramping it up a little bit. And anytime, I think even Derek Carr himself put it best. He said, he's afraid to get on a plane because he's afraid at that point to when they land, turn his phone on and say, "Uh Oh, what happened now? Well, kind of the same deal for us.
1: I was going to ask you that because last year I went through that. And it felt like every time you turned around, there was another big story, whether it was the name changing or yeah. then the Washington Post stories come out or Darius Geis gets arrested in this bizarre stuff. And, you know, and then some of the stuff was actually positive. Alex Smith is going to be activated. Right. Then sure. it was, But then the negative was Revere with cancer. But it really you, I became paranoid and I would you know, my wife and I would be sitting here on a couch and I would think, oh, I've gotten through the day without a story. <laughs> And then at eleven o'clock at night, Alex Smith's wife decides to put up a video of celebrating Alex Smith's return to the roster. Now that's a positive story, but it's sure. another but it's another thing where you can't you know could you feel comfortable having a glass of wine on a Saturday night at any point in your life? And you know, and yeah. but it was just more like. And there was one day, Paul, where to to get to my house, I drive over this mountain, and you get to the top. It's just a spectacular view of the of the, of the valley, and I remember thinking like. Oh man, it's just nice to be done. It's been a long period, blah, blah, blah. And my within five seconds, my thought was, what's going to happen? Something's going to happen. Yeah. I get home and Darius guys had been arrested. So I mean, right. do, do you feel like that? Could do you feel like you can never really take a breath because you're just afraid of what's going to happen next.
0: Or exactly. What you have and to it, cover next? Well, and as soon as we're done recording this, I have to check my email and my text, right? Because right. you got to see exactly what's going on. And, and you kind of you find the rhythm of a season, right? You know that. These types of things usually happen when the team is away. So here we are recording this on a, on a Tuesday uh, during a regular game week. And, uh, okay, well, what kind of trouble if any of these guys are going to get themselves into? Um, and, you know, being in Las Vegas, I, I think it kind of gets a bad rep because even Mike Mayock said, look, you can get – if you want to find trouble, you can find it wherever you want. Absolutely. Uh, Vegas is just more, you know, readily available, so to speak. But then again, I've also been in New Orleans. I used to live in New York. I've lived in L.A. So if you want to find trouble, you're going to find it. But I guess the, the long answer to your short question is, yeah, it's, 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 it's nerve wracking. And, and, you know, like I've said, these first, what, 11, 12 weeks of this season have been a long year. For <laughs> team. And, and yeah. It's, it's been, it's been crazy and and it's no woe is me. I mean, you know, there's real, like I said, a young woman lost her life. Yeah, no, that's, that's... And that's the first and foremost, you know, where the thought goes, but, it just It's just bizarre that at one point, uh, they're 3-0. and They go to L.A., get whooped by the Chargers, and the biggest story at that time, John, and you look back on it and you go, wow, that happened, was Joey Bosa criticizing Derek Carr's manhood, basically saying, him, you know, <laughs> when pressure comes to him, he crumbles in a ball. That was the biggest story that week until the email came, and then boom, here we go. What's
1: been the effect on the franchise, too? Because, again, you know I'm not I don't I'm not gonna diminish the tragedy with, with Ruggs right. because that, that was horrible, but there is an effect on the franchise and the players around him, whether it's because of him, because of John Gruden. What has been the, the overall effect? I mean, and is it hard to tell because we're not in the locker room? So sometimes it's hard to really exactly. fully get it. So can you tell it is what what has it been?
0: I'm a big believer in um, things carrying over personal life carrying over onto the field. And you saw it a lot with Derek Carr and his body language during that three game losing streak coming out of the bye. Um, I believe with my heart of hearts that the games that they lost against the bears, which was the weekend after the emails first came out and the game at the New York giants, where they just came out flat and were terrible, uh, which happened right after the Henry Rugg situation. um, I really believe that the team was affected by those two things. And I believe going forward that those two losses are going to cost them dearly when it comes Mm -hmm. to trying to get into the playoffs. Now, does that mean, oh, you blame John Gruden? Oh, you blame Henry Ruggs? Not necessarily, but one thing does does lead to another. Mm -hmm. And in covering this team for as long as I have, you see it, it's palpable. And when you go in the locker room, you can really feel it. You know, obviously we can't, they come to the podium, they've been prepped. They know what to say. They know probably more importantly, what not to say. Right. But Watching body language, watching things and, and seeing Derek Carr, especially struggle for those three weeks with his emotions. And, you know, he, he, he came clean and he said that, uh, you know, he was really torn up about Henry Ruggs because he received a text message with video from Henry Ruggs the night of, of the crash of Henry Ruggs at Top Golf with video of him asking, hey, I need some pointers on my golf swing. So that really tore him up. And that's that's understandable. Because he's thinking, wow! If I had answered that text, I might have delayed him two or three minutes, right. and the crash never would have happened. Right? Um, yeah. So you got stuff like that, and then after he has a great performance against the Cowboys on national TV in the most widely watched regular season game since 1990, who does he come after? He came after me in the pres- the post game press conference. It was crazy. He goes, "Yeah, nobody, nobody expected us to win, Paul." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he just kept coming after me, and it was hilarious because we got that kind of a funny relationship, but. I'm like, you're an NFL quarterback and you're paying attention to what I wrote in a 32 for 32 game prediction. All right. But that just, again, shows you the effect of all this craziness that goes on outside the field when it intrudes upon their sanctuary on the field.
1: Yeah. And do you think that they've again, Not I don't want to because I always hate asking just a basic football question when they talk about some of the stuff we're talking about but right. where do you feel they're you know they they are mentally now especially coming off that Thanksgiving win and and where do you where do you think they are right now
0: well i'll i'll answer that by asking you a question real quick do, do you watch netflix stranger things you, you know that show right
1: i know of the show yes, yes yes
0: so that show the whole premise of that is we're in the upside down everything mm-hmm. is what's left is mm-hmm. right what's wrong is right blah blah, blah. We're in the upside down of an NFL season. So right here, right now, I'm going to say absolutely. The Raiders are back. They got the feel-good win. They went to Dallas. They shut up 93,000 people at Jerry World. They're ready to roll. They're going to smoke the uh, Washington football team this weekend. I thought the same thing when they played the Bengals a couple weeks ago and they got, <laughs> they got stopped. So I don't know. I don't think yeah. anybody knows where these not teams no. are anymore. True. And because the one thing with Derek, and like I said, he's very cerebral. He thinks a lot. He's very sensitive. And I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, right. we're, we're all human beings. Um, but when they went on the bye and they won those two straight games after Gruden resigned, they were riding high then too. And, and Derek said something in his post, his uh, presser before going on the bye that really stuck with me. He said, you know, I haven't even had a chance to process what's happened yet. And I went back and went, uh-oh, he hasn't even had a chance to think about what happened with John Gruden yet. This is this is going to be interesting to see how he comes back. Well, then you throw in the Henry Ruggs thing, uh, and it affected him on the field. He'll never admit it publicly, but roundabout ways, mm-hmm. it was there. It was there.
1: What's what's Rich Bisaccia? how has he been, and like, how much has Gruden missed?
0: I think Gruden's missed in terms of, When, when John was there, you knew who the alpha dog was in the organ, not just in the locker room, but in the entire organization, uh, with rich, he's a player's coach, definitely. And he's an anomaly. He's a 61 year old football lifer. Who's a head coach for the first time at any level. It's a career that started in 1983. Wow. Um, I just did a big uh, feature on him last week and, and I sat down with him. Um, and I don't even know if to say it was off the record. It was more not for publication, I guess, but, but we talked. And as he described to me, let's just sit down two men talking. You know, that's how he described it to me. But he gave me a lot of insight into who he is. And then based on that conversation, I knew then who to go talk to. Uh, Charlie Weiss, John Robinson, uh, every coach, uh, Cutcliffe at Duke, who's on his way out. Every coach that he coached for in college that was still alive, I was able to get on the phone and just every one of them said the same thing that the guys in that locker room today talk about is just a leader of men. Now. Does he leave a little to be desired when it comes to clock management and, and handling your timeouts? Maybe. But that also comes with being a, a first year head coach at any level in a career that started in 1983.
1: So let's get out into the field and um, looking at the receivers. First of all, Darren Waller, do you think, I mean, this again, we're recording this Tuesday and it's going to air in a couple of yeah. days, but do you think he's going to play?
0: If he can, he will. Okay. Um, as as Bisaccia said on Monday, it's a week to week situation, and then described it as a day to day. So you know, <laughs> if he can, he will. And but but here's the other thing is that initially he came out of that game on Thanksgiving with a back injury. Then he went back in. Then he then he strained the knee. Uh, the reports are that it's more of the uh, IT band, which is probably mm-hmm. much better because that's not so much a structural thing with the knee. Um, but even if he's not, Foster Moreau has shown that he can be a quality starting tight end in the NFL too. He's definitely the most. Uh, talkative tight end the Raiders have had since Todd Christensen. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not diminishing anything Todd Christensen yeah. did. And he's not quoting uh Frost or, or Thoreau, <laughs> but David Thoreau. But it's uh it's Henry Thoreau, sorry. David Frost, Henry Thoreau. See, now you got me all confused. But it's it's um if Waller can go, he definitely will go. Uh, they, they're using him a lot more lately. And you know if he's a Pro Bowl talent and you know one of the top three tight ends in the NFL, why not? <laughs>
1: Um, the receiving core, Deshaun Jackson, um, Hunter, Ref- Hunter Renfro, who killed the Cowboys. But yeah. Deshaun back out there doing Deshaun-type things. What kind of boost has he been, and how do you look at this receiver group overall?
0: Again, like you talked about earlier, we hate to to talk about football things when real life comes mm-hmm. in their way, right? right? But but Deshaun was signed to kind of help fill that void left by Henry Ruggs. And it's and it's strange to say that, but Henry Ruggs was there, He's but he's a lot younger, obviously. Um, 22 years old, but the speedster, that could take the top off of uh, a defense. And that's what they needed because when you didn't have that, the teams were able – the Bengals and the Giants were able to just crowd underneath and then that, you know, eliminated right. what they could do. Deshaun catches the third pass, the, the third play of the game, and boom, he's gone looking like vintage Philadelphia yeah. Eagle Deshaun Jackson, which I'm sure you saw a lot of too. Yeah, And, and that, that opens things up for everybody else. And, and you see it with Renfro. You see it with the tight ends. Um, as long as Deshaun's not fumbling the ball, like he did in that first right. game, but, you know, then he's, he's good to go. And the main thing though, again, as I mentioned with Derek Carr, it's all about his trust in his targets and, and who he's throwing the ball to. So it looks like he's got Deshaun's earned the trust of Derek and, and, uh, they'll just go from there. And I'm sure Deshaun his his, uh, reunion tour through the NFC East is going to be real interesting too against Washington.
1: I, I always like covering Deshaun. I'll be honest. I thought he was a fun guy to talk to. Um, yeah. He kind of had a chill about him that you know that it just he was a different kind of guy, and I kind of and I enjoyed him. And he did like he always he did his thing. He's going to catch fifty some passes, going to make some big plays. He could change. He can change. I think Jay Gruden would refer to him almost like a Dave Kingman. Where, huh. where anybody anybody listening, do a Google on Kingman. It was either a home run or a strikeout, but yeah. he could change the game with that home run. And that was that's Deshaun. Um, and then you have Zay Jones as well, but. Defensively, or actually, I'm thinking before I go there, Derek Carr, what kind of season do you think he is having? Has he, you know, been a better quarterback this year at all?
0: I know your listeners can't see this, but I'm going to do the roller coaster there you go. with my hand I going across because, yeah, because, uh, you know, through those first five pre buy games, he was playing at a league MVP type level. Then he had those three games like, uh oh, he's not coming back next year. It's time to start Mariota. Then he has the, you know, the tour de force against the Cowboys on national TV. Oh, Derek Carr's back. It just really shows, John, and I'm sure you agree that the NFL truly is, even more so now than ever, a week to week. Yeah. Oh,
1: definitely. Definitely. You
0: know, so the kind of season he's having, it's been rough. And my big prediction coming in, you know, when John Gruden was still the coach and Henry Ruggs was still on the roster was there's no excuses for him now. And yet every year there's a built in excuse. Now, to his credit, he's never complained publicly. But he's, he's a guy, you know, I, I wrote a book with Lincoln Kennedy and Lincoln described him, described him as such that he's a good quality, competent quarterback, but he doesn't think he's ever going to get you to the championship. He'll do enough to keep you competitive, but he's not ever going to get you over the hump. Is there and, something, I'm sorry, go on. I, don't know, I was going to say, and that's kind of the book on him, literally in a book that I helped to write. To
1: <laughs> it, what makes a difference for him? Like when he has a bad game, what? is there a cause? Is it pressure? Is it, what is it that usually, is there something that kind of determines that?
0: Yeah, it kind of goes back to the 2016 when he broke his leg in the second to last game of the season. He hasn't been the same daring gunslinger that he was before then. And, and again, that's, that's fine. That's understandable. I mean, this, this, the injury he suffered was gruesome and yet against the Cowboys, he showed that speed when he broke out and ran up the, the right sideline for 22 yards. Um, it's there. And even Bisaccia said, Oh, Derek can run now. He just doesn't always do it and for whatever reason that is whether it's a mental block you know when he's when he's going bad john uh and i know i'm going to show my age here too going back to some 80s movies but he's he's maverick in top gun after after goose died after goose died where he's 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 got he's got sundown in the back behind him and sundown's telling him take the shot take the shot no 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 it's not there it's not there it's not there (laughs) that's kind of who he reminds me of when he's in those down moments you didn't see any of that in dallas um, you saw it though, plenty of that against Cincinnati, plenty against uh, uh, New York before that, and a lot against Kansas City in in the in between there. So it, it's interesting. He's a very, like I said, I've covered this team in one way or another professionally since two thousand five. I was a fan of the team as a young kid growing up in Southern California, so I know a lot about the history. I've written two books on the Raiders. I have never seen a more polarizing figure in Raiders franchise history. Really, in terms in terms of people either love him. People either loathe him. There is no in-between with this guy. You know, it's like Todd Marinovich is kind of like, oh, he's kind of, you know, lovable, but yet, you know, kind of a mess up. Jamarcus Russell, ugh, the worst pick in franchise, let alone NFL history. No, there's, it's, it's one wow. or the other with this guy. And it's, it's pretty amazing to watch it play out. And people forget that last game in Oakland against Jacksonville when they blew a lead and lost, and it wasn't even his fault. Um, he was booed off the field, and he had things thrown oh, yeah. at him as he was coming off the field. So again, even after that, he said, yeah, I need a fresh, we need a breath of fresh air. And that was Vegas. And yet here we are again.
1: What, and Mariota, I mean, do you think there's a chance that they would turn to him or you you think you just expect Derek to stay there and that Mariota will hit the market?
0: Um, it depends on how this, this year ends. Uh, I was real close. I mean, my, my story idea for this week had they lost to the Cowboys was look, it's time to, to, being in Vegas, you know, you can't keep chasing bad money after bad money. You got to right. see what else you have. Um, but Derek played well. And, and Marcus played well in his limited opportunity to go out there and, and use his legs and score a touchdown from inside in the red zone. So the thing with Derek, John, in, in my opinion, and again, this is an educated opinion, but it's just an opinion, is if and when they do choose to put Marcus out there instead of Derek in more than a package, they put him in there to start a game, you potentially lose Derek. He right. checks out. Then you've got the family members that are active on social yeah. media and also yeah. on TV. They're so I've heard. You have, yeah, you could imagine <laughs> the, the vitriol that'll come flying there. It, it's it's one of those things where if you make that call, you better be ready to move on. And if Marcus isn't the guy, well, then what do you do? Because all of a sudden you're looking next year. You may need a new GM. You may right. need a new coach. You may need need a new quarterback as you start your third year in a new market. So it's <sighs> there's a lot of things to be decided.
1: Last thing, then on the defense, because it's it seems to be a defense that has some great aspects to it, pass rush, and an area of weakness, the run defense. That's what Washington will obviously try to exploit. But what what's what is the story with this? I mean, first of all, there are two things: why is this pass rush so good? I mean, you can look at Max Crosby, and you can see, but there's other guys doing stuff. So why is this pass rush so good?
0: The pass rush is so so much more improved because not only you got Crosby doing his thing, but Yannick Ngakwe's on the other end. Right. And then you've got guys, Solomon Thomas, uh, in the middle that are playing up to their, you know, I don't know if he's playing up to his draft standing, but he's playing up to being a first round right. pick. And once you've got guys in the middle, as you know, that can collapse that pocket, it frees things up on the outside as well. Um that's why the pass rush is improved. Casey Hayward until last week, I believe was playing at a pro bowl level on the outside. He got burned a couple times, but Hey, that's what cornerbacks do, right? That's right. why they play cornerback. Um, that to me is why the pass rush is so much more improved. And, and beyond that it's, it's the new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley came in and and, and the guys love it. Denzel Perriman has been uh, a godsend
1: He's at been middle well.
0: linebacker, you know, leading the league in tackles. And, um, it's a lot of it is scheme. A lot of it is desire. Most of it, in my opinion, is the push from the interior, which they've never really had over the past five, six years. And that frees up a lot of other guys to do things. And you talk to him, coverage helps out the pass rush. Pass rush helps out the coverage. And it just, you know, it goes back and forth. Sure. And it goes like that. But, you know, Gus Bradley is the new piece there, the new cog as the, as the coordinator.
1: So last thing then, the run defense, not as good. Again, yeah. Washington will try to exploit that. Why isn't it as good? Like, where's the weakness there?
0: Not as much depth in, in my opinion. And with run defense, it's, it's in, and, and you know, even when you're running the ball, right. It's just a matter of sticking to the script. You sure. keep doing it. You know, it's like, stop, 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 boom, pop. And that's, you know, that's as long as I've covered the Raiders, that's always been the Achilles heel of the defenses. They'll get a stop. They'll get a stop. And then boom, they will be an explosive run. And a lot of that has to do with how terrible the offensive played before the Dallas game. Um, they weren't on the field. They were on the field way mm-hmm. too much. They would sit there and you could feel it. You literally could feel it, that they were just hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, it would explode. And you look and you go, well, what do you mean, Paul, that, that the defenses played well? They got blown out by the Chiefs. They got blown out by the Bengals. They, you know, they lost to the, to the Bears and the Giants. Well, look up until the third quarter, and they were in all those games. Um, it's the offense could not stay on the field and the defense is on the field way too much. And it goes hand in hand, you know, in my estimation with run defense, it's about desire. It's about uh, depth and being able to continue to play that because that to me is the toughest part of it. It's just, it, it's about stick to itiveness and, and want to when it comes to stopping the run game.
1: Paul, fantastic insight. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that. Thank you.
0: Sounds good, John. Thanks for having me.
1: That's it for this episode. Thanks to Paul for joining me, and thanks to you for tuning in. Again, this was number 300 and counting. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.